Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I would say to the extent that people know about this show and know what we do, I would think we probably have a reputation of being, you know, we're certainly a show for fans, right? I'm a Georgia fan. I'm wearing a Georgia shirt today. We deliver content with fans in mind. This is uh, a fan-friendly type show. And so, therefore, we probably have the reputation of being a pretty positive show when it comes to Georgia. Sometimes people will mention that to me. Uh, a little bit and here's the thing i always say in response to that that i think the reason why that probably feels as true as it does to so many people is because it's actually really easy to have a positive conversation about georgia football because of how well the program has done over the course of the last few years including obviously first and foremost winning the national championship in 2021 that if the scenario with georgia football had played out differently in the last however many years we've been doing the show the tone of this show would actually be uh, a good bit different now would it be as popular as it is probably not people like to hear good things of course but but Part of the reason why the show sounds the way that it does is because the subject that we cover on a regular basis, Georgia football, is this has been a pretty good era for Georgia football as of late. However, it is important to do a couple of things in relationship to, to this kind of stuff. While people like hearing good news, and thankfully for Georgia fans, the program has provided a lot of good news, I think you still have to be both honest and realistic about what's going on at any given time that even in a moment in which hey big picture everything's great george is the national champion they're one of the top favorites to repeat as national champions for the upcoming season they're at least heavily in that conversation you 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 certainly get the impression that george is on its way to putting together another elite recruiting class that even in the midst of sort of a big picture level of really pretty spectacular time here for georgia football that doesn't mean in every aspect of everything that go, that's going on that everything is perfect. And when you kind of bump up against a blemish, I do think someone who does what I do for a living, you know, sitting here looking into a camera, talking to a microphone, I do think it's important to, to at least call that out when you see it. Be honest about what you see. Be realistic about what's currently going on. That way you kind of maintain the credibility that you want to be able to talk about all the other good things that are going on there as well. And so with that in mind, I think that we are at a time in Georgia football in which the wide receiver position is certainly a very interesting subject there for UGA, both in terms of what's going to happen on the field here this season and what's happening in recruiting there as well. And I think when you just you know do what we do around here, we just talk to a lot of Georgia fans, whether it be digitally through our comment section or you know seeing folks in person for you know some big events and things like that. I think one of the things that you hear a lot is, hey, man, I really want to see Georgia just start to have a wide receiver room, start to have a collection of wide receivers that's as deep and as talented and as successful as Georgia has been at so many other position groups there as well. Obviously, the defensive stuff, defense line, linebacker, defensive secondary, but even on offense, you know, Georgia's had multiple first round picks within its rank of offensive linemen in recent years. George is obviously known as running back university. George has had this huge collection of talent at virtually every position group. Tight end maybe I don't know, as good as anything's ever been uh for Georgia here this upcoming season. But there's a but there's a sense in which you know, the wide receiver spot has just kind of lagged on that there a little bit. 
And when Brian McClendon was announced as Georgia wide receivers coach, I think the immediate hope was, given what McClendon's recent track record had been, a couple different stops, given McClendon's previous ties to UGA, that you know stepping in as a replacement for Cortez Hankton, who moved back to his home state of Louisiana to work for LSU, that McClendon would have a chance to really, really change those things. And the early indication was, man, a lot of big-time reaction to McClendon becoming Georgia's wide receivers coach, that that he was going to be the guy and is going to be the guy that really leads Georgia to great success there at the position. In fact, shortly after he was hired, you know, Brandon Ennis, the uh, terrific wide receiver prospect from the class of 2023, Ennis had really a pretty profound reaction to McClendon being hired. He put it out on social media. I'll show this to you. You may remember this. Uh, Ennis at the time said, wait, what? Coach BMAC just went to UGA? And he kind of gave you the mind-blown emoji. And obviously, on a show like this, we made a really big deal about that uh, when it first happened. Jeff wrote a story with uh, Ennis at DogNation.com on that, asked him more about why that was. And he talked about just the deep ties that he felt to McClendon. And Ennis said at the time, if you can, you can go back and read this in the archives of DogNation.com, that the presence of McClendon at Georgia was going to make him consider Georgia so much more just because he liked Coach McClendon so much. I think that's probably still true. But this is what I also have to admit is true there as well, that even for a guy like Ennis, who spoke out publicly when McClendon was hired and has seemingly had some ties and connections to Georgia, like a lot of previous wide receivers, that seemingly sort of seems to slip away as he gets closer to making his announcement because uh, Ennis this week has put out his top six. I'll show this for you on the screen if you're watching on video and obviously read it to you if you're not. But Ennis in putting out his top six doesn't have Georgia uh, among that top six. In fact, let's show you who the uh, finalists for Ennis were here. But uh, yeah, you look at uh, USC and Miami and Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and Texas A&M. Those are the six finalists for Ennis. Georgia not even making that cut there on that even after the previous good things that that he said about the program. So that's just real. That's just, you know, that's just factual. That's just kind of what's going on here, which is that for a Georgia program that has knocked it out of the park in terms of recruiting almost every other position group, wide receiver is the one spot where that has lagged here just a little bit. But there is a silver lining to all of this, and there is some good news to add, or at least the potential for good news to add to what is a subject where things have not always been great there for UGA, both in terms of the on-field production, but also in terms of you know how the uh, recruiting wins have kind of played out here. But there's reason to believe that the arrow is pointing up for George the wide receiver spot in a way that maybe hasn't always done in previous years. Some of that's due to the fact that Todd Munkin's moving into year three and Munkin's just running a more successful system at Georgia. Probably a lot of that is due to the system that Todd Munkin is running. And some of this may be due uh, to the fact that Georgia, in terms of the collection of receivers that it has, even though not all of those guys had the elite pedigree as recruits, um, you know, this could just be that this is a more talented collection of wide receivers when you look at the full, you know, breadth of the of the list of names here a more talented group of wide receivers than we're used to seeing UG have and for those of you who want to see Georgia kind of break out at the uh, at the receiver spot in terms of what you do from a recruiting standpoint maybe giving some proof of concept for those recruits based on what you do with players you have this year this could be the way in which all that goes down let me give you an example of this and admittedly this is not like <laughs> the most like profuse praise in the world it's somewhat tepid I guess but it's an example of being maybe a step in the right direction. There's a guy named Chip Patterson from CBS Sports, and he has his list of headlines says, 
five best wide receiver rooms entering the 2022 season. You got Ohio State, you got USC, you got Maryland, you got Alabama, you got Texas. And then you get below that, there's honorable mention. And if you're reading this at CBSSports.com, by the time you get down to honorable mention, the font gets smaller and there's no blurb, there's no write up. But in the honorable mention of the best wide receiver rooms in the country, uh, Chip Patterson has got Virginia next. I guess that means they're sixth on his list, I guess. But then after that, you got Georgia. Now, admittedly, it is not like the greatest news in the world to say, hey, guess what, folks? Some guy that writes for CBS that you may not have heard of thinks the Georgia wide receiver room is a little bit better than Penn State, but not quite as good as Virginia. Like, like that's not like the greatest sale job, probably, when it comes to the wide receiver spot for UGA. But when you think about where Georgia has been, the reputation that position group has had, to think that that is evolving to the point where Georgia might even be in consideration to be one of the 10 best wide receiver rooms in the country, knocking on the door to be top five. We're kind of in list season where almost every national outlet's doing its own listing there right now. To think about Georgia moving up the ranks on this is a step in the right direction. And if you want to win with more big-time wide receiver recruits, who, by the way, Georgia hosted a a lot of those here over the course of the last couple of weeks and you've got a good collection of receivers coming in this weekend too we'll talk to jeff Sintel a lot about, a lot about that tomorrow but the easiest way to do that is to have success with the guys that you have right now now let me give you something you're going to like more than this obviously you know a cbs guy saying yeah honorable mention maybe better than penn state not quite as good as virginia not as good as maryland you know teams like that that's not maybe the most interesting thing in the world but we've told you before that this offseason, when Kirby Smart has talked about his offense, to me, I have detected, and maybe this is just what I want to hear, but I have detected a little bit of a level of confidence that I don't know that I've always heard from Smart in the preseason thinking about his team on that side of the ball. He was on the sports radio station WJOX going back to the month of May. This is when he was there for that celebrity golf tournament there uh, that he participates in each and every year and Cole Kubelik the SEC network analyst also a host in the radio station was asking Smart about the offensive side of the ball and Smart you're going to hear some of that optimism some of that confidence that I alluded to a moment ago and I want you to specifically notice what Smart says about the wide receiver position in all of this so if we are of the belief that Georgia needs to do way better when it comes to wide receiver recruiting and, an, and a better season on the field would help you do that, a little bit of national media thinking that's somewhat possible, but the words of Smart here, who I think pretty clearly think that's possible, this will probably carry a lot of weight with you. So this is from May, Kirby Smart, WJOX. Let me let you hear it again as a reminder. Well, we want to be explosive, and we were last year. You know, people people have us miss. Everybody talks about the defense; it got overshadowed that we were top ten in explosive passes, um, a lot better than a lot of a lot of teams in the country at throwing the ball down the field. Uh, we did that with very effective because we were able to run the ball. So we have to continue to do that. We've got some tight ends we got to utilize. We've got three or four wideouts that are really good players, and we think we've got some really good young backs that are going to help us. So with Stetson coming back and uh, the other quarterbacks we have competing, I'm excited to see what we can do offensively what smart says there to me matters it's not the kind of thing he would just say no matter what like he's both touting the the success that georgia had a year ago but also looking to the collection of receivers that georgia has this year to say hey we feel like and he used the number three or four we feel that we feel like we've got three or four guys that can really play there's a chance that smart's underselling that uh, a, a bit but it's at least three or four right now who i think you feel really good about and it's also a reminder of this for everything that Georgia hasn't been at the wide receiver position, let's face it, 
some of that's just bad luck. And there's a lot of element of luck that you just have no control over whatsoever. That Georgia, who was, as Smart said, very explosive last season offensively, but how much better could it have been if it had George Pickens for a full season or Kiers Jackson for a full season or Dominic Blaylock for a full season? How much better could that offense have been a year ago if it had those guys? Well, you can't go back and remake the past, but guess what? Kiers is back right now, and there's plenty of reason to believe that what he could have done a year ago, he's ready to do now. Certainly the case for Dominic Blaylock. I thought one of the real bright spots of the spring, he's back to remind you how good of a freshman he was way back in 2019 prior to the injuries that have kept him off the field for quite some time. In the wake of those injured players last year, you had A.D. Mitchell, you had Lad McConkey, you had guys like that that took advantage of their playing time opportunity. That for Georgia, who admittedly doesn't have the same recruiting pedigree that an Ohio State wide receiver room kind of has, or the track record for success that an Alabama or an Oklahoma kind of has, that actually in its own right, it's probably better at the receiver position right now than it has been before. National media seems to be somewhat noticing that. Kirby Smart certainly seems to have noticed that and speaks with confidence when he describes the group. And so for every fan out there that says, man, I am ready to see Georgia win with the kinds of receivers that don't seem to be giving it full credit right now, what happens on the field this season could go a long way towards getting that done. And the arrow could be pointing up for this position group in a way that it hasn't maybe in quite some time. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. Uh, we're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Rep, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, all the various podcast platforms. We're just really happy to have you. As a part of the program today, we have a very fun show coming up. We'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. But I also want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making it all possible. We could not do this show every day if it weren't for our great sponsors like our friends at Merriweather and Tharp. And the other thing I'm grateful to them for, not just their support of us, but their support for you if you find yourself going through a difficult, challenging time. And this is kind of the moment in the show where sort of the record scratches, the music changes figuratively not literally uh but you're left to realize that for so many of the folks in our audience they're not just thinking about georgia football or what they're doing this summer or how they're passing the time before the season begins they're thinking about facing one of the most challenging situations that you can face in life i'm talking about a divorce process and an audience the size of ours statistically speaking it's just a reality for for so many people that you're either in a relationship that is obviously severed or you think it may be heading in that direction and that's just a tough, a, a tough spot to be in, and I wish I could wave a magic wand, take that away from you. Obviously, I can't do that, but I can give you some, some advice about what you can do to set yourself up for a happier next season of life, and that's getting my friends at Meriwether and Tharp involved in what you have going on because they want to hear your story. They want to have that free initial phone consultation with one of their attorneys, allow you to tell them what's going on, and they can tell you what you need to do next. And it's not just based on you know their opinion. This is based on the kind of expertise that's formulated when you've been through cases like yours thousands of times before. And of course, your situation in some respects, it's specific to you, but the law can still be leveraged to your benefit. And that's what Mary Weather and Tharp help, wants to help explain to you about when it comes to finances, relationship with children, all those things that very weighty topics that matter. Mary Weather and Tharp wants to help you out with all of that and maybe even tell you some things that you're not even considering that are important to keep in mind. They're just really good at both hearing your story, telling you how you can 
maneuver through the challenge that kind of, uh, you know, is in front of you and then set yourself up for a lot of happiness after that. So please reach out to my friends at Meriwether and Thorpe. They're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online at the Atlanta divorce team.com. That's the Atlanta divorce team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right. We are your source for Georgia football talk here. We'll do some more of that here coming up in a little bit. With our good friend Terrence Edwards, the former Georgia wide receiver, a good day to have Terrence on the show. We're already talking about the receiver position, so we'll keep that going with Terrence here in just a moment. Before that, though, I'm going to go around the doghouse. And tomorrow's going to be a good day on our show because we'll have Jeff Sintel back on, and we'll do a good bit of the recruiting talk with Jeff. You know, this will be a chance for us to do this live for the first time in a little while with Jeff tomorrow. Another really big weekend of official visits on the way for UGA. A lot of that is the wide receiver position uh you know which we talked about there a moment ago so we'll get into some good details with jeff on all of that however another subject that we'll probably get into a bit is something i want to kind of preview and foreshadow for you right now there's a little bit of an internet scuttlebutt if you will there's a little bit of a eruption on the internet about what might happen with aj harris very good looking uh defensive back prospect who just took a visit to georgia this past weekend and is supposedly scheduled to take another visit here this weekend for some context on this let me show you a tweet from harris's father which both shows off some photos from his recent visit to georgia but also includes uh, a pretty interesting clue here for the upcoming weekend can we see mr harris on the screen here for a moment and so yeah dan harris on the subject of aj harris said we had an interesting georgia official visit and he says up next floor now if you're watching on the on the screen you see the really cool new arch-themed throne. You see Kirby Smart, you know, posing with family members there. You see uh, a really cool backdrop that Georgia put together that had the national championship trophy. And I, I tell you, I, I just don't get tired of seeing that national championship trophy being used as a prop in these photos. Uh, kind of a nice interaction between Kirby and Harris in those photos there. But the part of this tweet from Mr. Harris that stands out to me is, is that he says that Florida is up next for A.J. Harris. In fact, that official visit, I believe, is supposed to start tomorrow. At least it's scheduled to. But this is going to be one of the things worth watching here over the course of the next 24 hours, next you know 48 hours, whenever, about whether or not this official visit actually takes place. There has been some discussion, both on the Georgia side and the Florida side here, when you follow internet chat or things like that, that maybe Harris is not going to go to Florida. Obviously, the Gators desperately want him to do that. Uh, and if you're Georgia and you're trying to win this recruiting battle, preventing him from taking that Florida official visit, not, not, forcibly, not forcibly preventing him, they're not going to lock him in a closet or anything, but convincing him that going down to Gainesville is something he doesn't need to do, which is, for me, not a very hard thing to be convinced of. But maybe for Harris, he wants to do his due diligence here. But the point is, is this is worth your attention. This is worth watching. A lot of chatter out there right now about whether Harris will or won't take that uh, official visit to Florida. And if he doesn't, that's a pretty strong sign of, for everybody who's kind of wondering, hey, what's the next big domino to fall for Georgia in its 2020, uh, 2023 class? That could be an indication what that is. I guess there's also the chance that you know, maybe this is a little bit of a swerve job. We see that from time to time. Maybe Harris, who at one point in time was thought to be pretty deeply involved with Corey Raymond, the Florida defensive backs coach, and that Florida program at o overall. Maybe for him, cooler heads prevail, at least from the perspective of the Florida side. Maybe Harris does end up going there and taking that Florida visit, and maybe some of the positive vibes and feeling that, that Georgia seemingly has after that uh, visit he took to UG this past weekend, maybe some of that subsides there a little bit. But we have been telling you now for a while that 
the month of June is now kind of become sort of like the epicenter of the recruiting class now. Everybody seems to have accelerated their process a little bit more, and a lot of this taking place early summer that maybe would have taken place late fall. If you want to go back years ago, this is an example of that. There are going to be a lot of eyes on Harris, the very highly rated defensive back here, great-looking cornerback. A lot of eyes on him over the course of the next 24 hours as I'm speaking to you here right now on a Thursday morning. Does he take the visit to Florida? And if he doesn't, that could be a signal that Georgia fans and Georgia feels very good about adding another big name to that 2023 class. That is Around the Doghouse, and we are happy to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Now, before we're done, we will give you more recruiting news, including a UGA target that has chosen to go somewhere else and how big of a loss is this we'll debate that also speaking of uga targets taking florida visits one of them is doing that here this week a little bit of an unusual sort of midweek style official visit uh we'll give you some sights and sounds from that here before we're all said and done there as well and we'll kind of help celebrate a really cool honor for a lot of former georgia guys and by the way including one of the guys we're going to talk to next let's do all of that right now it's terrence edwards joining us here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp let's talk to him right now and glad to have all of you with us as a part of the program here today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider always great to have terrence edwards on the program we haven't talked to terrence live seemingly a little while because of our vacation last week but we're happy to be able to do that right now and as i said before we're said and done on this conversation today we will celebrate with terrence uh kind of a cool uh designation that he's gotten and a lot of the georgia guys kind of on that list there as well for something that's going to play out a lot over the course of the fall we'll explain more of that to you here coming up in just a moment before that terrence as i said good to have you on the show today and i started this program by saying that i think it's pretty obvious when you talk to a lot of georgia fans and i know you talk to fans about this because of the position that you play while at UGA there's just a real restlessness I guess about having a big breakthrough at the wide receiver position both in terms of you know kind of the elite four and five star names in the recruiting class but kind of creating the kind of on-field success that makes that a little easier and I get where that comes from the desire to see that happen I'm also of the belief that hey this year maybe more so than a lot could be the time in which that really happens. Guys that played last year because of some injuries and things like that, A.D. Mitchell and Lam McConkey showing which they're, what they're all about. Injured guys who are now back and healthier than they've been before, guys like Kiaris and, and Dominic Blaylock, that the level of optimism that exists around the Georgia wide receiver spot is probably more justifiable right now than maybe it's been in kind of a while, not the least of which the, the offense that Todd Munkin runs. From your perspective, Terrence, obviously knowing this position so well, how do you see that? You know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a straight shooter, and even though I love my dogs, I guess, you know, my just my real honest opinion. And I love the top three receivers that we have. You go, go with A.D., Ladd, and Kier, and we're not even adding in the tight ends right now. And I know I was listening to you earlier, and, yes, other schools just put up other numbers, but are they better talent-wise? Yeah. And putting up numbers doesn't necessarily make you a better player offensive systems just cater to those type players. Yes, I, I think the Alabama receivers that they've had been terrific. I also think that their scheme allows them to be able to showcase their their true talents. The same goes as Ohio State. But the three that we have, I'm really excited about. And uh, add the tight ends to that and with the backs, I think we're just more balanced than ever, in everybody else. I think if you take – the offensive skill position as a whole, the receivers, the running back, 
the tight end. Let's put that group as a whole and see how high Georgia ranks in that, just not the receiving position alone. And I like the talent that we have. I think I know your answer to this, but let me make sure I, I do. If we assume that Ladd and AD are two of your three, who's your third right now? Uh, uh, got to be uh, Dom uh, right now, I would think, or uh, Marcus. Uh, those two is probably uh, four and five uh, in the in the rotation, and I like that group of group of receivers. So uh, I, I know the production and the numbers don't say that they they are top group, but just off per talent. Uh, I will put them up there against uh, a lot of the top receiver groups around the country. Yeah, what's interesting is, and you obviously can't mention everybody at the same time, but that's not, I guess, mentioning Karras right now, who – here's what I think is interesting, and, and you're, you're right about this. Not everybody that we're going to list here is going to have, like, the top-end level performance, right? It's just football is a tough sport. It's not, it's, not, it's not possible for everybody to kind of exceed their expectations. But between, you know, AD and Ladd, who we saw a year ago – you know, guys like Kiaris, Dominic, and you mentioned Marcus Rosemey-Jackson. I think that's an important name to mention here. That's a guy that I did not discuss off the top of the program. But if you were really to say to me, okay, you know, who still can be, you know, a really big-time player, I mean, I think you'd have to mention Rosemey-Jackson because of what he looked like in high school, you know, kind of what he was prior to an awful injury in that Florida game in 2020. But there's reason to feel pretty good about him there too. Uh, Arian Smith coming back from injury there as well that that you can really look at about if you're trying to get a, a really good three a really good four you know the best way to do that is to have about six or seven names that could be that and I mean there's a case to be made for all those guys isn't there oh most definitely and uh you know thanks for bringing up Arian I think he's definitely going to have a role because he has something that nobody else on the, the Georgia team has is that uh straight line speed I know CJ Smith is another Kid that I really like, who's a, a bigger version of Aaron Smith and who can really fly. Uh, I think he's probably about a year away from being a, a regular contributor. Uh, but Georgia receiving core is deep. We just don't have the production and numbers because because of our offensive system. That's why we don't get talked about as much. But overall, as a group, I'll take this group over any other group. I mean, just give us. Alabama or Ohio State philosophy for the passing game and I think these guys could put up the same type numbers given the opportunity yeah and I think you mentioned that when it comes to Arian like to me the one thing that Georgia pretty clearly hasn't had enough of now obviously these are elite athletes so we're comparing them to like you know the highest possible category but on the field because of Arian's injury and things like that like that true blazing elite speed that's probably been the one thing that I'd say for the most part, the the wide receiver room has maybe missed some a, a bit. And as you and I said before, hey, you know, the presence of a guy like Arian, his speed, it helps every receiver in this room because of the things that force the defense to do. I think you see that actually kind of reflected in some of the receivers that George is targeting right now in the 2023 class. It seems to me they're trying to make speed a little bit more of, of a priority. We may see with our own eyes just why that is, is that when you've got def- you know, wide receivers that can run past defensive backs, all of a sudden everybody gets tougher to cover at that point in time. Almost oh, definitely. When you've got guys who can actually you know, get downfield and take the top off, that's just going to open up the running game as well. That's going to open up the underneath passing game, and we all know what tight, tight, end, tight ends that we have on the team. So uh, having deep speed uh, does not only affect the passing game it affects the running game as well now you cannot add that eight a ninth person in the box you have to keep a two deep shell that's two safety 
of in a defensive back secondary to be able to handle the deep speed that uh, Georgia is targeting. If not, now you'll be able to run the ball in that extra man in the box that you can't block. It's not accounted for anymore. So it, it helps the offense uh, all around being able to have guys who can take the top off coverage. Terrence, we're kind of in a time in which Georgia's hosting a bunch of big-time official visitors, and that's taking place, obviously, all across the country right now there as well. And we see some of, like, the you know the the photos on social media about this, and obviously we hear some stories from time to time about what that's like. But, you know, what's the sense that you get as someone who I'm sure probably enjoyed taking your official visits? Uh, actually, let me just start with that part right there. Like, what do you remember about taking uh, official visits? Obviously, when you visited Georgia, your brother had already been a big-time player there at UGA. But what do you remember about your own recruiting process in terms of taking official visits, and what kind of mattered to you back then? So, you know, mine was a little different because if you don't know for the listeners, know that my first love is basketball. Uh, I'm a basketball player at heart. I played basketball at the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And every school that recruited me knew that uh, if you wanted me, basketball was an option. Uh, so I only took one visit, and that was to Georgia, okay. uh, because I did not want to miss my basketball season. So uh, I went up to Athens after uh, late Friday night after a basketball game. Then I missed the Saturday game, so I only missed one. And I wasn't going to miss any game uh, for my official visit. Uh but what I do remember is just the amount of food that we ate and how late we stayed out and how early we had to get up to go do all the academic stuff and all the other stuff outside of football. So it is a uh, very fun and long weekend. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think these guys get the opportunity to enjoy different things. And uh, I was blessed to have my brother there, so I kind of knew what was going to take place because of uh, his official visit. Um, so it wasn't too much new to me, but it's a time that you can enjoy it. And times are definitely different. Uh, I, I saw a picture of George Foster and David Jacobs on all official visits, and we had the jerseys on, but it's nothing compared to what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. I don't mean to get in your business too much, but did Georgia ask you not to take official visits anywhere else? Is that something the program requested of you, or is that just a choice you chose to make? Yeah, just a choice I chose to make. Uh, my top three uh, back then was uh, was Auburn second, Alabama was third, uh, and a lot of people don't know, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I was a quarterback coming out of high school, yeah. and I was Nebraska's number one quarterback recruit that year. You could have uh, been the next Tommy Frazier. I, Tommy, I mean, listen. Tommy Frazier, yeah. Listen, yeah. I, 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 would, I, I would have never wanted yeah. to uh, not have Terrence Edwards wearing the red and black, <laughs> but boy, I got to imagine back then to be sold as come here and be our Tommy Frazier. I can imagine that was a, probably a, a pretty good sales it, pitch, it, I'm guessing. At Washington County High School, we ran the same exact offense as Nebraska. The same as that. We called it the same. So, uh, number one quarterback recruit coming out. I, I was their guy, the number one guy. And, and the only reason I didn't go to Nebraska, I'm a, I'm a Georgia boy, and I was just like, Nebraska was just a little bit too far uh, from home. Now, getting on a plane, I don't like to travel yeah. long distance very well, so I like they're out. But if Nebraska was probably three hours away, I probably went to Nebraska to play quarterback because I'm a quarterback at heart. So uh, times are different. Times are different now. And with the technology, with FaceTime and stuff, who knows? But back then, uh, I wasn't. I didn't want to go too far away from home, and I knew the way Georgia was going to use me uh, in the same mode that they used Hines, and 
I just knew that this, that's where I was going to go. It, it didn't take me very long to really know. After Nebraska and figuring out six, six hours on a plane was too far or whatever the, the distance is, I knew the way it was going to use me. And that was a good selling point of how they used Heinz the year before I got there. And I yeah. played the exact same position as Heinz did. So along those lines, you mentioned how different things are now, and obviously we see some of those with our own eyes, but you're obviously also working with a lot of receivers who are taking their own official visits right now. Like, what do they say about, like, what matters to them? I mean, what is maybe something that we don't know about the official visit process that, that we're seeing play out right now? I mean, we, we all see the glitz and the glamours and the uniforms, and every every school have their kind of their way of, uh, getting recruits to uh, do things for Georgia's the uniforms and taking pictures, and I love the way with the crown and the the big seat. So I like the the way Georgia is approaching. But end of the day, it's about how you're going to use me in this in this offense. How you're going to develop me, and how many guys for my position you can develop and get into the NFL. I think that's some of the things that recruits ask. Those are some of the things that the guys that I train ask me. Um, and a, a lot of times I tell people, you just look at the history of it. It's really not the school or the offense. It's your talent level gets you drafted. A school or offense don't get you drafted. Like if the NFL feels you have the talent they're looking for, you have all the measurables, you're going to get drafted and you're going to play in the NFL. And, you know, stats and stuff to get your name out there talking. And but it's not the end all be all. I just think it's the talent level because I can go and have. I'm the all time leader receiving George District, and I went undrafted. So um, a lot of the times, it's it's your talent that's going to get you drafted, not the stat. I get the impression too, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but in the ni even in the nil era we currently live in, that you know for the families, for the mamas and the daddies, that the family feel the program still matters a lot here there as well. That, hey, even if you're offering my son or at least the potential of a big NIL check or something like that, I still want to feel at home when I come back and visit here. I want him to feel at home when he lives here. That even in a day and age in which money is a lot more at the forefront of the college conversation than it used to be, there is still a lot of quality of life concerns that seems to still be out there, right? Yes, most definitely. I think that is uh, a good point of the NIL uh, opportunity that a lot of these kids are, are presented now, and that's definitely really going to sway their decision. I mean, if I was coming out this day and time, and, you know, uh, fortunately, uh, when I came out, I had a brother that was a first-round pick, uh, come from a two-family household that I uh, didn't want for anything, uh, very middle-class, two hard-working sure. parents that provided me with everything that I needed, not necessarily everything that I wanted. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, families that going to need this opportunity to take care of their families. I mean, you just you just look at what Travis Hunter tweeted out is, you know, if he got this money, but his mom is still living in this certain type of condition, not bad condition, but if I got a million dollars, my mom wouldn't be in a three-bedroom household. So a, a lot of these kids are seeking that, and I, I understand it. Um, if I was in this day and time coming out and I didn't have a brother that was already drafted in the NFL, yes, I would be looking at where I can make the most money as well. Um, so that is definitely a game changer into recruiting. Uh, we can all say like it, but it's a new age. It, it is what it is, and every school is going to have to adapt to the way of NIL. Yeah, I think it's right. So I want to finish with this. I am on the board for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame, and we have a very exciting 
season coming up ahead of us where eventually we're going to announce the inaugural class of the Hall of Fame here. But Terrence, I was so happy when I saw the list of the hundred, you know, basically we have the list of the hundred nominees. These are your inaugural nominees, the list of a hundred names. They're going to get consideration to be in the first class. And I was so happy to see your career honored, to see you mentioned here among the finalists for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, a lot of great Georgia guys are on there as well. So I just want to say personally, congratulations for even being included on this list of nominees because there are a lot of great players in the history of the state of Georgia and, you know, kind of figuring out who, you know, you're going to put on that first list. I can tell you it's not an easy thing to do. And obviously, I'm a very small part of this. And there's a whole lot of uh, great historians like our good friend Todd Holcomb uh, who've uh, kind of helped lead the way on this there as well. But Terrence, just wanted to say congratulations congratulations to to you for for being a part of this list and I know you have great fond memories of your time as a high school football player here in the state of Georgia and I know that you're also very proud of a lot of the other names that you're on this list with as well yes uh, most definitely you know it's a very proud moment for me that you know my high school career uh, is being recognized as one of the top 100 players on this ballot uh, I come from a great program in Washington County uh, which my brother is the head coach now at our program. And I'm also proud to be on that list with uh, my former high school teammate, uh, my good brother, Tequil Spikes, mm-hmm. as well, is on that list. Uh, I'm just honored. I just think, uh, you know, all the hard work that I've put into this game for a long time is is uh, getting recognized. And, I, and uh, I'd be remiss to say that I – I'm loving that my career is being recognized in this way because of the hard sweat and tears that I put in along with my teammates, and I couldn't be able to do this without a lot of the great teammates I had throughout my four years at Washington County. And, and I put from 93 to, to 97, I put Washington County up against anybody in the state of Georgia, the talent that came through. I love it. Um, so through my high school through that time, and our head coach Rick Tomlin put us in great situations to be successful so uh i'm honored and proud to be on this list uh when i would make it i don't know but i'm just happy that you know a small part of leading you know my washington county golden hawks to two state championships back to back starting no less a quarterback and leaving high school with three state championships uh in my four-year career i love it i love it i'm curious obviously the 90s were not that long ago but from a technology standpoint things have changed a pretty good bit you know we didn't have huddle films and youtube and you know max preps all the 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 record keeping and the stats like how much stuff do you still have from your high school time do you have camcorder videos do you have uh do do you have things like that and i think our audience would love to see some of that to be frank uh but how much do you still have left from your high school career well we have a lot actually a lot of the uh have been uh, put on DVD and some now are on YouTube. So you can go on YouTube and, and type in Washington County Golden Halls and you'll see uh, Takeo's, uh 94 season on Highlight Tape. You'll be able to see my 97 um, some of the highlights, uh, some of the games in the Dome that we played against Westminster as a as a junior, my junior year. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I'm going to say a lot, but there's some stuff on YouTube that I just go back and watch from time to time and I have to still have the DVDs uh, from my junior and senior year that I go back and watch and show my kids. But, no, I go back and watch uh, it from time to time just to see the difference. And the, I'm going to tell you now, as a coach, VA, the biggest thing that when I was a high school player, 
coaches had to meet up halfway and exchange tapes. Yeah. Now you just huddle, just snap a button and send it through the coach now, and it, and the film is, is there instantly. So there's a lot of things that changed from when I was in high school, what those coaches had to go through to, to now. Yeah, there used to be a lot, a lot of uh, meeting in like a Shoney's parking lot somewhere. A lot of things that probably looked a lot different than what they actually were. You think somebody's doing something they're not supposed to be doing when all they're really doing is uh, trading a uh, game tape there. There were a lot of Shoney's parking lot meetups and things like that back in the old days, right? Right, most definitely. And, you know, and back then you just had to uh, trust in the other coach that he was going to give you a good typing of the game and not a uh, wide type or just a tight type. So you really had to trust that. But now – it's just, everything is so instant that, you know, just a push of a button, you get all the game film. Uh, most of the teams have YouTube channels now, so yeah. you can go and get the YouTube. Like, there's a lot of things now that I, I, Rick Tumbling, my high school coach, didn't have to go through uh, when he was coaching us in the late 90s till he just retired a, a few years ago. Um, now he just can sit at home and push a button and, and get the tape instantly instead of driving two and a half hours to meet, meet a coach and they exchange tapes and all the things they had to go through back then. Terrence, that is great stuff. And as we said, congratulations on being one of the nominees for the first ever Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame induction class. And obviously we love talking football with you here on a, a weekly basis. And we also love the work that you're doing out there with those uh, great next level or next generation wide receivers there too. So remind folks how they can get some of the personal coaching that you're providing there as a part of the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Um, um, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Um, but right now, um, I believe in the weather advisory. And okay. if the weather tells me it's too hot to be outside, <laughs> we're not going over here with Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. But you can find me at all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Sounds good, Terrence. Uh, I love the idea of staying safe. So you do that and stay cool, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Good stuff from Terrence Edwards. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. Yeah, I was also a high school student in the 90s and not a nominee for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame, but I definitely remember the tape trading error. Er, not error, era is what I'm trying to say. And what Terrence talking about is, so like, obviously a big part of coaching is getting game film and, and watching your opponent and learning what you can learn. And now you just pull it off of, you know, any number of ways. It's all done digitally. It's very easy to watch as much high school film as you want to now. Uh, some of the national networks and things like that. But back in the day, you had to kind of trade the VHS, the camcorder tapes. And what I remember is when I was in high school, and I played basketball, I didn't play football, but there was always like one coach in a region seemingly that didn't want to cooperate on that and you talk about like just your name being mud just getting a bad reputation right away is if you didn't want to cooperate with the tape trading thing because the general consensus among the coaches was that no one has an advantage over the others when you t you trade tapes it's not like you know, unless that's like Terrence said somebody just gives you a bad copy uh but it was this was one of those things that was generally sort of like a competitive agreement of hey as coaches it's better to have some idea who who is we're playing so let's swap these tapes out and and do all that but there's always like one knucklehead coach somewhere that would not participate in the tape trading and you better believe the other coaches talk bad about him behind his back uh but i definitely uh, remember that era very very well and we are obviously in a very different time when it comes to technology on all of that by the way in a moment we'll give you more of the former georgia guys who made the list so what it's going to be is, I'll, I'll explain more to you in a minute, but uh, a really cool thing with the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame 
and we'll talk about that coming up. For now, let me talk to you about cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, what a great time it is to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. As Taryn said, heat advisory all over Georgia. I've been outside a little bit the last couple of days. So I'm out there for an hour or so, and like, oh boy, this is this is hot. Uh, but listen, if you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship right now, you get that sea breeze blowing, you're in the water, maybe you're stopping by one of the you know great destinations like Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and you're not too hot there because you're in the water and you got a drink in your hand, you got a you know floating on a you know float or something like that. Trust me, you're living in the uh, lap of luxury and all of that. So if you were on the fence about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation this summer time to do it right now our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you you can reach out to them tcava.com that's the website tcava.com or you can give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 and enjoy all the great things that Royal Caribbean's got going on whether as I said it's like visiting the private island perfect day Coco Cay that beautiful island oasis right there in the Bahamas or enjoying the amenities on board the uh, fleet of Royal Caribbean ships this is a great time to be back on the seas, and no better way to do that than our friends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously, the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out on all of that. All right, let's talk a little bit more recruiting here for a moment. So we talked yesterday about Janelle Aguero, five-star safety, who just took a visit to Georgia. All intents and purposes would suggest that visit went very well, but Aguero is right now taking a midweek official visit to Florida. We'll we talked earlier in the show about whether or not A.J. Harris would make good on his initial promise to take a Florida visit. We don't know that yet, but we do know Aguero is visiting the Gators right now, and he's saying good things about Billy Napier. I'll show you this on social media. A lot of Florida fans have shared this with me. At least some Florida fans have. Oh, oh look, uh, Florida's doing well with Aguero. I'll show you what he says here. This is one of those things where, listen, we're, we're you know fair and balanced. Honesty compels us to admit sometimes. Aguero tweets out, Coach Napier is building something great at Florida. And he gives you a, a Gator emoji and a hashtag Go Gators. My response to this is to these Florida fans is, I mean, if you're going to feed the guy for two days and, you know, uh, take good care of him, and the least he can do is kind of give you a little bit of a shout out. This sort of like, for those of you that like read, it's sort of like a book blurb. It's like, hey, will you blurb my book? Hey, yeah, this is the best book of the year. Everybody needs to read this. Like the person that wrote the blurb didn't actually read the book, but they're happy to provide the uh, promotion for the book. Um, <laughs> I sort of get the impression that's some of what's going on here with Aguero there as well. But listen, he is at Florida. He's saying nice things there about Billy Napier. And so uh, Billy Napier's attempt to bring a taste of the Sun Belt here to the SEC, and maybe that's a uh, – Maybe that's going better than I think it is, but I sort of suspect it's probably not. But nonetheless, Aguero saying some nice things about Florida there. Another piece of recruiting news that's probably worth your attention a bit is the fact that Vic Burley, the defensive lineman from Warner Robins, one of the really very good players in the state right now, made his college decision yesterday. He committed to Clemson. And I guess, you know, this is one of those things where I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt. We'll show you, the, by the way, the uh, the graphic from uh, for, from Burley here, uh, showing off the Clemson uniform, showing off the. So here's my question, and if you're not watching a video, I'll try to describe this to you. So Aguero's holding up the hand. He's got rings on the hand. I mean, Clemson's won two national championships. You can't take that away from them. But that looks to be five rings. What are those other rings? Is that just ACC cha- like ACC championship rings? Listen, I like Burley as a player. I'll never say a bad word about him. But I'm not quite so sure that like I'm going to be showing off ACC championship rings if that's what that indeed is in a um, you know in a like I've got a replica World Series ring that the Braves gave out to State another day. 
I'm pretty sure that's worth more than an ACC authentic ring is probably worth. But nonetheless, I do think that Burley's a good player. Um, I, I saw him in person. I have a little bit of a bias in favor of guys I just see in person. The recruiting landscape is just so big uh, that you can't see everybody. You can't you know, be intimately aware of everyone. Uh, I am probably a little bit more drawn to the guys that I do kind of get to know a little bit. And uh, I think Burley's really good. Uh, I saw him uh, uh, you know, back in December, saw him um, – Obviously, during the season, I did an all-star game he was a part of. I think he's a really good player. And, you know, Clemson has kind of always been thought to be a little bit of a factor here on this. Ultimately, he chooses Clemson. I think Georgia would like to have had him. I don't, I don't think the Georgia class suffers because he's not in it. But I'm not going to be one of these guys that just tells you simply because the guy chose to go somewhere else. That just proves that Georgia didn't want him. I don't think that's quite the case. Uh, but I also don't think the Georgia class is going to be hurting, even though he's chosen to move on. So Burley chooses Clemson, still think he's a good player, and to the extent that his interests don't you know, intersect with ours, I guess we kind of wish him well. Um, I will mention this here really quickly as well. We talked about wide receivers off the top of the program. I do like the list season that we're in. Um, I think some of the Phil Steele stuff has been worse than ever, to be frank, and we'll probably get into some of that at some point in time. Um, but CBS, we talked about its list of like top wide receiver groups, the fact that Georgia got – honorable mention on that list and that's probably better than than it's been in the past if you just want to be completely honest so here was their top five again they had ohio state at number one and it really is amazing just how good they've been at the receiver position uh you know guys like julian fleming we haven't really seen a lot of yet just simply because they've been so deep there at that spot it's one of the reasons why jameson williams could kind of get away and go to alabama is because you know they just had a lot of you know great players that weren't even playing at least you know potentially great players that weren't even playing and so that's how a guy like Williams escapes to a place like Alabama but even with that attrition the you know guys that were just drafted this past year Ohio State probably still justifiably number one in that group USC comes in at number two a lot of this related to transfer portal stuff obviously uh probably not the least of which Jordan Addison the the Bolitnikoff winner who left Pitt to go to USC and we'll see you know what that means kind of working together with uh, Caleb Williams there I mean Line of scrimmage is still a very important part of this sport, even way out west in the Pac-12, where everybody's sort of pillow soft and and, and finesse-oriented. Line of scrimmage stuff is still going to matter. That's the thing that, at least on the you know the defensive side, you know, Lincoln Riley more often than not has not really gotten right. We'll see. You know, does he have enough toughness to match? You know, like Kyle Whittingham. You know, say what you want about the Pac-12, but at Utah. You know, Whittingham's kind of found some toughness from time to time. Uh, I think Mario Cristobal had some toughness there at Oregon. Um, so Riley apparently has got the receivers. At least CBS seems to say so. And a lot of folks think they've got the quarterback and Caleb Williams. Is that enough, though? We'll find out when the season begins. Mike Loxley's recruited at Maryland better than you think. His wide receiver's coming at number three on this list. Alabama just number four, though. And that's what's interesting. And a lot of this is also you know transfer-related, too. Uh, not the least of which uh, our old friend Jermaine Burton now there in Tuscaloosa. But for a program that has built so much of its success on the receiver spot, is this group this year going to look like previous Alabama wide receiver groups have looked like? Where they've had like multiple first-round picks, you know, multiple high-level receivers in the same room. Are they continuing that this year? I, I guess the jury is still out for me a bit on that. But we'll see. Texas at number five. Obviously, there's a high-profile early-season matchup between Texas and and, and Alabama, and there's also a little bit of extra attention on the Longhorns right now because of their contention for five-star quarterback Arch Manning and the common belief that Manning may be holding off his commitment decision for a while to find out how explosive Texas ends up being on the field. The presence of those receivers obviously kind of give you a chance to do all of that. But wanted to give you a little bit of a 
follow up on that since we mentioned the receiver thing from CBS off the top of the program. That's the rest of the group. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And so we talked to Terrence about this a moment ago. So later this year, we are going to announce the very first induction class for the inaugural class of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. And I'm on the board for that. I'm really excited about that. Just when we have these board meetings, we had one yesterday. I'm just amazed by those who really are, you know, I mean, you know, the word historian probably gets thrown around a lot. And in some cases, that's a little bit of a pretentious sounding word. But when I tell you, you know, guys like Todd Holcomb, who you've maybe uh, been aware of in the past and, and others, when I tell you the level of like historic perspective and knowledge, deep seated, deep rooted knowledge that a lot of the folks on this board that I happen to be a very small part of, the work that they're doing, former coaches, former players, uh, guys that you know, gals that you, know, you you would know, when I tell you the work that they are doing to to make the best, most representative list of Georgia's history, both in terms of you know the GHSA, the 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 GIA, going back to a time obviously, you know, uh, you know the terrible time of segregation in, in in our state, but but great football players who deserve to be remembered because of of the great things they were doing, and frankly not getting noticed as much as they should have. Obviously, there was a really good documentary on GPB about that recently there as well. But this first class for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame is going to be a, a really cool thing. We'll have our first you know, uh, in, inductions taking place later on this fall. And the list of 100 finalists have been shared. The AJC did a story on this the other day. And I want to give you some of the Georgia names that are on here. There's like 35 former Georgia people on here, so I may not be able to give you all these. But if you look at sort of most recently, Hudson Mason had a big career at Laster. He's on here. Jarvis Jones was obviously a big player for UGA. His career at Carver's Colum- Carver Columbus, he's on here. Rennie Curran's on here. Um, you know, a lot of other Georgia folks are, you know, kind of on here as well for the uh, great, you know, careers they uh, put together. You know, you go back to like, uh, you know, the early 2000s, guys like DJ Shockley, who obviously played for his dad there at North Clayton. He's on here. David Pollock for his time there at Shiloh. Uh, he makes this list there as well. You go back in the 90s. I remember Reggie Brown, obviously a great player at Carrollton. He's on here. Charles Grant from his time there at Miller County. We talked about Terrence Edwards a moment ago. Even going all the way back to, you know, early days, Pat Dye, he was obviously an Auburn coach, but a UGA alumnus, he's on here. Uh, obviously, Bill Hartman, um, Herschel Walker, of course. 35, I think it's 30-something former Georgia players who are also being recognized for their high school careers there as well as nominees for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. When I post the show later at dognation.com, the podcast, I'll put a link to the AJC story so you can see the full 100 names. It's just kind of hard to present 100 names in a show form like this. But I'll put a link for you to read all about them yourself. It's just a really cool thing or just a really exciting thing. I am so proud to be a part of it. I can't wait to tell you guys more about it as we head towards that time. But uh, Terrence, one of the nominees, we talked to him about that before. A lot of other former UGA guys are there as well for their high school careers here in the state of Georgia. The Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame will be telling you a lot more about that coming up, certainly in the days to come. And as we close out today, I want to give you another golden shoe. And this kind of brings back, we can bring that music down just a little bit. But this um, kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier this week. Very sad news that our good friend Nick Lurch, longtime commenter to our program, uh, passed away. And I got a great photo sent to me. A little bit of context for this. So early 2018, we'd only been on uh, uh, you know, uh, video as a show for a little bit more than a year in 2018. 
but some of the folks who are a part of our comment section had gotten together to do kind of an unofficial dog nation daily tailgate and we met uh, it was before the Austin P game, right there at the Varsity parking lot. The Varsity's not there anymore, but the Varsity parking lot uh, had a nice time. And somebody sent me this picture. I want to show you this as a part of our Golden Shoe today because it's a great way to remember Nick and a great way to remember the great time we had. Slam Clam sends this to me. He says, uh, Austin P 2018. It was an unbelievable hot day that day. Early September heat. Only time I've ever met Nick, but he was a joy to be around. RIP and prayers to him. And that's Nick Lurch right there on the left, standing next to our good friend Miriam Corbin. Of course, you see me in the middle there and some of our other folks who were there that day. That's a, a really cool thing and a, a, a great moment. So I'm happy to remember a really fun event in kind of the early days of our show and video and obviously very happy to remember Nick Lurch there as well. So Cameron Lance, who sent that to us, Cameron, I, I appreciate that. Also, Lousy Stinking Gators, let's tell you about them. It's been a long time since they've won a national championship, about 4,907 days since that's happened. And our Gator Hater Countdown, bad news for Billy Napier in his first attempt to play Georgia. We don't think it's going to go very well for him. 135 days from now, another beatdown coming the way of the lousy stinking Gators. We will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Mary Weather and Tharp. We're out of time for today's show on the radio, but you can hear the rest of it online on any of the Dog Nation platforms, and we'll see you back here at noon tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily, presented by Mary Weather and Tharp on Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref.